All right, we are live. We've got Jamie Renda on. So uh, kick us off, Dave. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Tooele Happy Hour podcast starring Jared Anderson and David Weiss, where if head trauma had a podcast, this is what its tune would sound like. Jared, this is the Trump tater. Do you remember the Trump tater at uh, at all the political rallies that we went uh, yeah, to? Yeah, and it, she, uh, she showed up at everything. I didn't know it was a she. I thought Trump tater <laughs> was a tater. Um, but there was someone behind that costume. Imagine that. Uh, well, I have to say, um, and this is a note to you, Jamie, that every time you showed up, you just stayed in character. You didn't talk. You didn't. You kind of danced around and gave out a lot of hugs. So uh, that's. Well, a, I, I have to be clean. That wasn't me. I was walking with oh, Trump. Really? <laughs> who who was dressed up as Trump Tater? Everybody always wants to know, but uh, it's not it's not who was dressed up. It's it's it was the Trump Tater was there. <laughs> I like it. Sounds like a secret. Uh, yeah, that's the way to yeah. do it. That's the way to do it. Well, anyways, so tell us about your uh, uh, your inspiration. How did you how did you design the Trump Tater? Well, I owned a baked potato shop called Brixton's Baked Potato. And uh, during the election, I initially wasn't a Trump supporter, but during the election, somebody said Trump looked like a potato. So that kind of caught, <laughs> caught my eye a little bit. So I thought I'd do this contest about people drawing Trump as a potato. But I never ended up doing that. But after Trump was elected, people were saying he was a Trump tater like a dictator. And I thought, ah, oh, no, we can't let that happen. So I went through like four different artists to come up with my version of what the Trump tater ought to look like. And I said, I'd like a character, whether you love him or hate him, you can love the character. Mm -hmm. And uh, something kind of like SpongeBob. And so I finally had an artist to put it down and, and the Trump tater was born. And so then about a year later, I was able to create a three-dimensional Trump tater. Okay. The rallies. <laughs> if only you'd uh, owned a Cheeto shop. But <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's the definition that matters on a Trump hitter. Uh, that is true. That is you true. Read the definition. I did not. What's the definition? Okay. Trump in the dictionary means to outclass, outshine, outperform, to defeat someone or something, a dependable and exemplary person. Okay. So you add the suffix to it, aider, like an administrator, dictator, means mm -hmm. someone who has those qualities. So. Trump Tater in all reality is a is a real definition and that's what I want to get out there is that Trump is a winner. He's someone who outclasses, outshines and out outperforms, defeats others. Yeah, uh, that that is uh, <laughs> that I don't know. I it's think one it's, way to put it. It's novel what you did. Now, um, do you still have the baked potato shop? I didn't. I, I, I sold it a year ago. Sold it a year ago. I could focus in on my political and um, causes and my nonprofit causes. So tell us about your political and nonprofit causes. Uh, my outreach has been to black Americans in the conservative movement for about 23 years. And oh. it started, started in South Carolina. And you may or may not appreciate my initial <laughs> launch, but... I lived in South Carolina where the Confederate battle flag flew on the, in the House and Senate chambers and on the dome. And no, that was their state flag. No, it wasn't their state it flag. It wasn't. No, Who three had flags. They had 
the American flag, the South Carolina flag, and the Confederate battle flag. Okay. Now, Mississippi, it's their state flag. Yeah, okay, Mississippi. All right. But South Carolina, and uh, David Beasley was the Republican governor there at the time, and he actually lost his re-election because he attempted to take down the Confederate battle flag off the dome while he was governor. Okay. I went in to the NAACP and said, look, I'm conservative, but I don't think a non-sovereign flag should fly in a sovereign location, and I'd like to help. And went in four times. They'd never get back to me. Um, long story short, they had cut a deal with Governor Hodges, who was the Democrat that got elected, that they wouldn't bring it up in his first term. Uh, the Black Caucus made an agreement that they wouldn't bring it up. And so I started an organization called Two Flags in 2000 and brought together Republicans, Democrat, the business community, religious community, and uh, everybody told me it couldn't be done, but the flags came down in July of 2020. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it went up on the Confederate monument, and I told him at that time, that's going to come back and bite you, and it did. In 2015, Nikki Haley took it down. Um, but just a little history, and I'm pretty fast on this, it went up in 1939 in pretty much a direct opposition of an anti-lynching bill, a federal anti-lynching bill mm-hmm. in the House chambers. It went up in 1956 in the Senate chambers, and the state of Georgia changed their flag at that time in direct opposition of Brown versus Board of Education. It went up on the Dome in 1961 under Fritz Hollings, It was the governor but became a senator, a Democrat, and again in direct opposition, I think, the civil rights movement. Uh, so there's nothing virtuous about when it started flying. Uh, Strong Thurmond was a senator in 1939. Not a well, he was running for the Dixiecrat uh, Party, and they started using the flag at that time when he ran for the Dixiecrat Party. Um, so just there's a lot of other history, even from the beginning, that is just not necessarily good. But I mean, just the Civil War itself is a. Um, most of the foot soldiers were not fighting for slavery. So there's a lot of mixed messages in that, but every, mm-hmm. the war we're in right now, I mean, we're lied to all the time on why we're fighting wars, so. Uh, we're lied to every day and everything. And this is one thing I don't think the Republicans should ever get involved with trying to defend uh, General Lee's battle flag, which is flown by Democrats up until the, you know, what, mid eighties is when they started giving it up. I think Republicans should just be like, ah, okay, yeah. You want to get rid of it? Get rid of it. Hey, Jamie, let me ask you this about that particular incident. Because here in Utah, we're going over a flag incident ourselves. Now, when that battle flag came down, was that a ballot initiative voted on by the people? Or were these dictates from the, uh, the elite class that were elected to represent the people? No, that was voted on by the House and Senate and 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 approved by the, the governor at the time. Uh, as a whole, I think, I, I made a big effort to publish the information. You know, most people who lived in South Carolina really thought, similar to Mississippi, that the flag had been flying, you know, since the Civil War. And uh, so there, there was an educational process that was involved in that. Uh, we had you know, big businesses on our side too, and small business. I even got Bob Jones University on board um, once he once they understood the history behind it. Right. So, you know, once I laid out the history, of most people couldn't really defend defend it flying in a sovereign location. We didn't really 
pick apart the flag. I just picked apart that it shouldn't fly in a sovereign location. It shouldn't fly live on statehouse property. Well, yeah, and it doesn't. You, you only want flags that represent the full populace to fly, and that yeah. flag obviously uh, leaves out some of the populace, and it leaves them out not because of decisions they made, not because of. Uh, uh, intentions in their life, it leaves it up because of just how they were born. And, you know, and but, but I want to point out an interesting statistic at that time is I, I, I put all the House and Senate members, Democrat and Republican, and if I pulled out the black legislators from the Democratic uh, side, uh, the same proportion of Republicans supported the flag coming down as Democrats. And, uh, and one of the things to date, there has never been a black Democrat on a statewide ticket. Um, Senator Scott uh, is the first, I mean, Nikki Haley being the first minority. Again, Republican, Senator Scott uh, is first black on a statewide ticket. Um, so, and I told him that it, this was tw 23 years ago, and the friends that I was working with at that time, both on both sides, I said, I, I promise you it's gonna be a Republican, a Republican party that will elect, elect your first statewide. Um, black on a ticket, even though blacks make up the majority of the Democrat Party in South Carolina. Yeah. That's that's interesting, and and, and you know I, I always I'm I'm always a little hesitant to let uh, my feelings about these flag things go, but I really feel like to solidify something like that, you need a, a popular vote, uh, like, just like we're doing on the ballot or the ballot initiative here in Utah. We want the people to have the final say on on the flag matters, and it would really solidify the the fact that this is wrong or this is right when the people speak. And even though we do have representatives for us in office, it just really puts the nail in the coffin when the people get to put on ballot really strong emotional issues like that and, and end it. Well, and I'm all for you on the Utah ballot. On this particular one, I would not say that because no one ever approved the flag going up in the House. Yeah, and it's, it's and not a one to it's not yeah. a one-to-one -one comparison. Yeah. It's, I mean, it, they weren't changing the state flag in opposition to federal civil civil rights actions. But they, but they didn't change the state flag. Yeah, no, so, that's, I'm explaining to Dave yeah. that in opposition to federal civil right actions, correct actions, the state, who at the time was angry that the feds were encroaching on their rights to carry on with Jim Crow or Jim Crow-like laws, yeah. raised that flag up a flagpole. That flag wasn't voted in. That's not a state flag. It was just kind of a, they were flipping the bird off at the feds, and then it sat there for so long, and it shouldn't have happened in the first place. No, I'm aware of that, Jared, but I'm just saying, when you let the people speak and when they vote, you know where the where the consensus stands. And I think there's something important about that, that our legislators, our legislation needs to take into consideration for this sensitive subject, such as our flag being changed here in Utah. And, and you know, I, it didn't happen back then for that particular incident that she's referring to, but had it happened and it was a ballot initiative and the people spoke, there could be no 
there could be no going back on whether or not it was right or wrong, because I'm pretty sure the people would have said, take it down. And when the people speak, it just holds so much more authority than when uh, elected officials vote. But speaking of the ballot initiative here, uh, because of my involvement in that debate, um, I often had times people who were pro the Confederate flag stain on the dome and in the houses and chambers challenge me on the American flag and say, well, the American flag was this or that. And so um, I look at what's happening now with the, when you have 17 states changing their flags spontaneously all at the same time, you know that there's a bigger initiative behind that than just Utah decided to change their flag. Ultimately, the goal is to change the American flag. And that's what people need to wake up to, is that symbolism is what unites us. And if they can change the American flag, they know that that would divide us as a, as a country. And uh, so I, the motives behind the people, and I'm not saying Senator, um, is it McKay? Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm not saying that's his motive. I'm just saying somebody's motive is out there to take away our symbols that unite us together. I wonder what they change it to. It's a big know. question. I imagine it'd be <laughs> if they had the druthers, it'd be red. Yeah, something <laughs> something fairly generic and with not very much meaning to it. <laughs> okay, so before we carry on, can you do me one favor though? Okay. Can you hop up and pick up or have uh, your son hold the Trump tater? Uh, Jay, costume over and get the Trump tater into into camera just so that we can just show everyone what it looks like. We'll just have you slide yeah. out of the way and he can hide his face behind it. But just oh, so okay. everyone well, actually, can... he can just put it on top of his head too, though. Oh, he can just put it on. That's yeah. a great well, idea. Well, he doesn't have the whole outfit, but here, Brittany, you want to help him? Here? Here, lift it up. You want me to put it on? And this is just right. so everyone can see the I Trump I should have, tater. I should have the... Come over here, Jacob. Ah, what All right, Jacob, back up a little bit. Back up. Back up a little more. There we go. Perfect. All right. Now, picture that, but now it has a lower body, too, and then little skinny black arms poking out, and it's dancing. And that's your Trump tater. Now, this thing will show up at all the political events. Hey, is there a way to request the Trump tater to Ooh. show up at events? Or for parties? Uh, you know, we were going to do that at one time, but my life's so busy. So if somebody really wants it and they're willing to pay some young athletic guy to come perform, um, we would love to have him out more often. That's great. You but, should. Maybe you could franchise the Trump tater. Well, I hope to. I mean, my goal a couple of years ago, Jacob, can you help me get back on this? I lost him again. <laughs> oh, you can't see us. Well, we're still no, seeing okay, you. Okay, there we are. Okay. Okay. So my my goal was to have the Trump tater out for a Halloween costume several years ago. <laughs> so oh. May, maybe one day we'll get the Trump tater out. I have like four four versions. I have three blow-up ones. I took one to Washington, D.C. Uh -huh. and uh, to two of the rallies, one in November of 2020 and one in December 2020. We were almost there and on January 6th. My son that just modeled the Trump Tater character said, I missed my opportunity. If I'd been there on January 6th, nobody would know who 
the uh, what's the guy with the horns? <laughs> yeah, the uh, the shaman. Q yeah, nobody would, shaman. No, nobody would remember the shaman if the trumpeter had been there. Yeah. But, uh, it's, it's a good thing that he was not there because right now we have a lot of people rotting in prison for uh, for really meaningless uh, political strife. Well, you know, political prisoners got a political prison. Um, so now, um, of course, we have you on here to talk about John Sullivan, and uh, you're you're you have a movement to have him held accountable for um, all of his actions. Uh, of course, he was he was in jail out here about I don't know a quarter of a mile south of where we are right now at our county jail for a little while, but then he kind of got scooped up and let go by, I presume, the feds or someone. What's going on there? What are we looking at with John Sullivan? Well, I wanted to ask you about that because obviously on my handout, uh, somebody pointed out that he did spend more than 24 hours in jail. That was in D.C. when he was arrested and then let go. Mm -hmm. How long did he actually spend in the Tooele jail? (sighs) I'm not sure. I think a couple weeks. Okay, a couple of weeks. But he never got tried. He was just held. Yeah. Uh, But a couple of weeks in Tooele Jail versus the D.C. jails that most of these January 6th people have been held. Mm -hmm. Um, And mistreated and put in solitary confinement and abused. And there's even reports of uh, violence used against them. I mean, let's lay this out. I know none of that happened here in the uh, Tooele jail, I know he's treated well here because I happen to know a handful of the deputies that man the jail. But, uh, but again, yeah, my goal is not so much to hold John accountable, though I think he should be held accountable. Uh, my goal is to point out the two-tiered justice system mm-hmm. and to say, is John not being held accountable because he wasn't a Trump supporter, so therefore the actions he did on that day are not seen the same are ex- they're acceptable or yeah, they're, or is he an fbi asset is he one of those assets that the fbi can't talk about to congress because they don't know how many was on the ground yeah so I, i'm going with the fbi asset at this point mm-hmm. because just to help people last night i was at an event uh, with glenn beck and Gail Rizika is a friend of mine who hosts the event. She let me help hand out a lot of flyers, even though she asked us not to formally protest um, because of security. But I handed out about 600 flyers to people. And everybody, when they saw that, they said, oh, yeah, I remember that. But they bank on our memories being short. And mm-hmm. there's just so much we get overwhelmed with every day that they think we're not going to remember John Sullivan. Uh, you know, everybody got on the Ray Epps. A bandwagon there for a while and saying what about this Ray Epps but uh, everyone's kind of left John Sullivan alone and so I thought it was time to make sure people remembered um, that John Sullivan crawled through a window a broken window he broke a window while he was in the Capitol he said let's burn this up can I say this you yes. can say whatever you would like <laughs> okay hey, let's burn this we need to burn this shit down while he was in the rotunda Mm-hmm. He claimed on two occasions he had a knife, and so I, I can't even remember why he said that. I'm trying to remember what the purpose was on that, but this is all on video. This is not hearsay. Yep. Uh, he manipulated the police to move, let them move back, and so he was at the very front of the line 
where the young woman was killed. And he's actually the one that videotaped that. Yep. And uh, you would think after that and seeing her being killed, that he, whatever motivated him that day would have maybe stopped. But no, as he left the Capitol, he shouted over and over again, they just killed a woman for no reason. They just killed a woman for no reason to incite further rioting. Yeah. That was that was intentional. Yeah, it seems like he is whatever his motivations are, it seems like his motivations are to cause chaos no matter what. No matter well, I'm at, what. I'm at, I'm at I'm at John in October of 2020 in New York and I had a 4-hour conversation with him. Really? Yeah. Um we, you've had James Sullivan on your program. We've had both of them. We had John on. Uh so, and we've had James on three or four times. So part of this uh, documentary that Jade Sacker was doing on the two of them uh, took them to New York, and and I went along for this particular segment. Um, and I'll, I'll just kind of put this out there on James, too, because I, I stood up for James for a long time, but James was all about clickbait, uh, not about really resolving and helping um, us come together as a people and as a nation and uh, so one of the, the families that had invited and paid our way to go there they made very clear to John, uh, James that John was never to know where they lived or uh, had their address but James manipulated the camera crew into having them show up at the same time at these people's home um, yeah and the lady was furious uh, she came out and she just ripped James up one side and down the other. I went up over to Jade and John said we probably ought to take off. <laughs> this particular family was really interesting. They're Italian. I mean, for here in Utah, most of us would think that they're probably part of the mob or something. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, they very nice family. They but, owned a garbage I mean, business. A you know. limousine company. Or <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Mom. <laughs> That's right up anyway, there with garbage disposal. Yeah. Yeah. So they meant business, and I thought, you know, we better be out of here. So I hopped in the car with Jade Sacker and John, and so we drove to this country club that actually Jade had reserved to do this meeting between the two brothers. And uh, so I talked to John on the way out there, and then I don't know what happened, but it took everybody else about three hours to get there. And so John and I spoke the whole time. And uh, so I had a chance to kind of get kind of a lay of the land on him, on exactly who is he. Uh, and throughout our conversation, he definitely made it very clear he was an anarchist. Um, Antifa, he even went about to tell me, you know, why Antifa dresses the way that they do. And it's like, well, it's not rocket science, John. <laughs> I think we all get that they don't want held accountable for their actions. and. Uh, and so in, in the process, I and mean, so this was a, a lengthy conversation and with no, no point did he ever say I'm a journalist. But again, let's go back to January 6th. He's trying to claim this journalist uh, tag. And as a matter of fact, I debated his dad for about four hours. I went to Twilla and met with his mom and dad. And this is after January 6th. His what, dad kept trying to say, go ahead. What are, what are his parents like? What are I mean, we? they're nice. They're nice people. I mean, it's a Caucasian military couple that yeah. adopted four uh, black sons, and I think they, you know, are decent people. Okay. But uh, 
his dad was pretty adamant uh, that uh, John was a journalist. And I said, no, journalists don't behave that way. And I've met your son prior to January 6th, and he was not a journalist. Yeah, and you know what? He could have even thought in his mind he was a journalist, but instigating is the opposite of journalism. Mm. Yeah. Journalism reports on what happened. They don't make stuff happen. But then again, under that same note, Don Lemon and, uh, you know, as far as Sean Hannity, they aren't journalists either because they are instigators. Sean Hannity doesn't claim to be a journalist. He no, he doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so, anyway, I mean, sorry. Sean, yeah. So anyway, I, I just, again, I don't think John ought to spend 20 years in prison, but I don't think the other people should be spending 20 years or 16 years or 12 years or four years in prison either. Nope. There was only a few handful of people that should have had some consequences of their behavior. Um, and, and another thing that frustrated me on January 6th, there was, speaking of Antifa, they weren't, quote, Antifa colors, but there was a lot of people wearing face masks uh, on January 20th. Do we know of any of those people been arrested? Because they didn't make them disclose their facial identity when they exited, you know, made them leave the Capitol. Yeah. Um, so, and, and then there's that whole group of people that were at the Capitol before anybody got there that were all dressed in black with their face covered too. Um, so there's, you know, no accountability. You know, you can tell a Trump supporter because they had a Trump hat on and they didn't have a face mask on. And um, so anybody that had their faces covered, I'm going to have to assume is Antifa or some instigators from the FBI or other law enforcement. Yeah, and I, a whole I, lot of people that had their faces covered that day. I would, I would, uh, I would tend to agree. To agree and. Judging by the way Antifa got away with just about everything, I okay, I'm going to lay it out right now. Right now, the FBI is going to have to work to make me change my mind on thinking that the FBI is just an agent for, um, for government authoritarian change. That's just they're going to have to they're not a part. They're not an arm of of a, any kind of justice system that I would recognize. They're not I'm going to take take you back almost seven, eight years ago. Loretta Lynch, the attorney general of the United States at that time, after she left office, she did an interview and she said there will be blood on the streets. Hillary Clinton in 2017, prior to the 2018 elections, said the Demo the Democrats don't take back the, house, back the House, there will be blood on the streets. They know that they have the ability to call into action uh, Antifa and these militants. Well, yeah, they cause this chaos. They've been they've been uh, indoctrinating an army in their colleges for the last, you know, what is it? Probably the last 25 years when uh, when the colleges became ideologically one sided. They had zero intellectual diversity in colleges. And yeah, they've just been building an army. And every FBI agent is a student of those colleges. And then we wonder why, why you know, if, we, if you're going to make it so someone has to go through uh, the re-education camp for, you know, teens and post-teens, tweens, whatever you call them. 
if they have to have that in their repertoire to be a part of your organization, your organization is going to be a re-educated people. So you're, you're speaking about the universities, but yes. the universities not only educated our FBI, they yeah. educated our teachers, our K through 12 teachers. Yeah, they're doing so good all, too. All of our K through 12 teachers are, you know, they've been programmed on critical race theory and, and uh, all these bad policies that now are being taught to kids K through 12. And, and so our organization, my, my uh, nonprofit, Path Forward Utah, that does an outreach to minorities. And we have real problems. I mean, the conservatives, we don't ever have a ground game. And, and so that's a problem. We don't think long term. We have no offensive uh, strategies. And we're always on the defense when it comes to race. Um, but so our organization is the ground game. And we get in and work with inner city communities, minorities and try to, you know, there's problems that we need to solve. And in America, if we're going to heal our nation, we've got to overcome and stop let, letting the media uh, divide us on race, but, which means we need to be rubbing shoulders with people and, and becoming friends and understanding what the problems are that need solved. Um, and I was going somewhere, but my ADH brain just kicked in. Um, <laughs> So with, with that, with Pathboard Utah, one of our goals is to, we've been taking on critical race theory K through 12, and also taking on the diversity, equity, and inclusion uh, programs at the university. And so this Friday, I'll put a shout out, <laughs> at UVU, which has become one of the wokest universities uh, in the state of Utah, we are having uh, Mr. Woodson, Mr. Robert Woodson, uh, come in the Woodson Foundation and Pathboard Utah are partnering in hopes to show the rest of the uh, nation what we can do when we come together and, uh, and and worked in a pragmatic way to fix the problems that people are facing. How do you take care of, of the, I, I can see a pathway to take care of DEI in uh, elementary school, but how do you take care of it in colleges? What does that pathway look like? Well, you need to get rid of the actual program that is heavily, heavily funded. And again, a lot of this started with COVID. Uh, I mean, we're talking billions of dollars that went in to these universities and, and K through 12 that implemented these very divisive programs on a large scale. And so, I mean, these universities received millions, millions of dollars to implement um, these DEI programs. And so the actual program itself, I'm all for clubs. If a student wants to have a Latino club, a LGBT club, um, a black club, have a club. Um, but as far as like an organization on taxpayer dollars that's treated differently, you know, where you're going to treat one group of students different than another group of students uh, based on their race or their gender or their sexual orientation. That's what I'm against. Um, I agree. If you, base, if you want to base a program on zip code, for example, I love my office is in downtown Ogden, 84401. The odds are, if you're in this zip code, the likelihood, whether you're white or Latino, you're black or you're Asian, you might need some financial assistance in school. Uh, if somebody has anxiety, it doesn't matter if you're gay or you're straight or you're black or you're brown or Caucasian, you might need some extra help on 
some hurdles on overcoming some issues in college in the college atmosphere. And so I would like to see those programs become need-based and not uh, identity-based. Mm -hmm. With your experience in the minority community here in Utah, do you notice that has have the has the black community forgiven the Democrats for the past historical atrocities or are they just uneducated on what has occurred historically? I'm going to take you back to our first part of our conversation. Most people knew who John Sullivan was right after January 6th, mm -hmm. but three years later, they don't. And uh, so I just don't think that most people are aware uh, black or I mean it's just one of those things that because it's been you know 60 years ago or 50 years ago when the you know uh, where more minorities or more blacks were Republican most just don't understand that it's just become part of their DNA part of who they are hmm. um, one of the things that I want to that I always point out to black Americans is that, like Latinos and, and Joe Biden even said this in uh, in a, uh, a speech about a year and a half two years ago he was talking to and he said, Latinos are more diverse in their thought processes than blacks. I thought, man, what a slap in the face. But he was stating the truth. But if I was black, I'd be really agitated with that. But Latinos vote is about 45-55 split. Hopefully this year it's going to be a 50-50 year majority conservative. Uh, the black vote has been historically for decades now a 90-10 split. <laughs> and that disparity allows all kinds of uh, manipulation in our media. And so, but for the blacks to have a powerful vote, they have to be fluid in their vote. I would argue a lot of that reason is because of a manipulated media. Because in the 60s, during the civil rights movement, 100% of the Republicans voted, everyone gets the same rights. It was Democrats that were split. Yeah. But the media only talked about the Democrats that were pro everyone getting civil rights. And if any black American was to look at that, they would go, holy cow, this is insane. Because it was the Republicans all voted, yes, give them all their rights. Yes, strike down Jim Crow. All the Republicans across the board voted that way all through the 60s. But they come out of there smelling like the people who was anti. The only time that the Republicans were anti anything was during FDR's farm bill. But the Republicans were just against an expansion of government. That was it. They weren't against giving. They, they were against it being in existence anyway, which I would argue now they have a point where farmers are paid to destroy their crops and, and not be a part of the free market system. So, you know, hindsight 2020. <laughs> well, you know what they say, uh, the, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Every mm -hmm. time. And I really feel like there are some people with good intentions when it comes to these policies that they think, you know, there's been some injustices done. Uh, we live in a predominantly LDS state. I'm happy to be LDS, return missionary. Where'd you uh, go? Under, where was your mission? In Canada, Alberta, Canada. Oh, you went Jordan to... Jordan Peterson's home state. You went to a, a communist country. Well, my grandfather was <laughs> born in Roberta, Alberta. Yeah. A little town so, of... Yeah, and, and so. you know, it was, you know, this was 35 years ago, 36 years so ago. So it wasn't communist yet. No, it was, it's actually extremely conservative. 
It, it still is. Alberta is is a very conservative yeah, state. If it had a population Canada. more than Wyoming, it might make a difference in in the great nation up there. So I'm going to put my kind of my uh, foot my I shouldn't say my foot in my mouth, but I'm going to speak my truth here. Um, the LDS Church um, needs to be more more forthcoming. And a lot of our racial issues, though we're only 1.5 percent uh, black in our in our state, a lot of the issues come because of historical racism in our state. Um, the church back in 2010, I believe, wrote a, an essay and put it on their website that basically stated that the reason blacks couldn't hold a priesthood was because of the racism that existed during Brigham Young. Now they're teaching this to our young people in seminary, and the reason I know this is because my son, who just tried on the Trump Tater character for you, uh, came home from seminary and asked me the question, well, do you know why blacks couldn't hold a priesthood? Well, I gave him the standard answer that we were told on our mission and growing up, and he said, no, that's not it. It's because Brigham Young was racist. And I said, well, where are you getting that? <laughs> so that's what he was being taught in a seminary. So they're teaching the younger generation one thing, where they're letting the older generation die out, They've never read that essay over the pulpit or over general conference and or published it in church news or the ensign. Um, and I think they need to be more forthcoming. We just need to, you know, be honest. They say, hey, we screwed up. Now, a lot of churches had similar uh, principles in their congregation, uh, but the LDS church held on to it far longer than the other. It wasn't until 1974. 78. 78 yeah and and that was a mistake on the lds church's part obviously uh to separate human beings out by the the, the levels of melanin in their skin i think is uh uh is dumb we'll just well, put it simply to be fair to be fair a lot of congregations were yeah uh, mm -hmm. and so it wasn't just the lds church the yeah. lds church held on to it the longest and the only reason that they probably did at that point is because of the athletic programs at byu um they wanted they so wanted to get a couple rings on them fingers i get it <laughs> and so but now fast forward we never came out and said no it's uh, you know that we continue to teach the same philosophy just now blacks could be you know uh, part of the church and could hold the priesthood I mean, they could always be part of the church, but hold the priesthood and receive temple ordinances. And, but what they never did is say, this had nothing to do with not being as valiant in the pre-existence. This had nothing to do with being descendants of Cain, but they held on to those things. Mm -hmm. Up until, like I said, I started a mission in 1987, 88, and that's what we still taught out in the mission field is the reasoning as to why blacks couldn't hold the priesthood prior to, you know, 1978. Mm -hmm. uh, so, we just need to be forthcoming but instead of being forthcoming and this is where uh is that we are the church is pushing for bad policy and i i would be okay and just say you know it's part of history but they're pushing for bad policy they're listening to more i mean byu um there's just a lot of bad policy that i think the lds church is leaning towards um and so that's that's my frustration because it shouldn't be the taxpayers, it shouldn't be the citizens of Utah having to pay the price for some again for uh, historical wrongs. Yeah, well, as my dad puts it, my dad's a, a devout member of the church and you know temple humana humana. He says what you have to remember is the church is a corporation first. 
and a religious organization second. And, you know, that's a pretty clear way to put it. Yeah, but and, and I, I'm going to agree with him on that, but I'm going to say the same thing I would say about Coca-Cola or other corporations, that we have the right to push back on that. Yeah, just <laughs> you, what you have to do is you have to quit consuming their product. How do you do that? And I, I am with a religious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How do you do that with the religious organization? And, and if the Democrat Party can can snuggle up so closely to the black community the way that they are today, with what has happened in historical grievances towards the black community from the Democrat Party, I'm sure that somehow, some way, the the LDS Church can repair this grievance from the history and. I, I don't think that you have that far to go in comparison to what the Democratic Party had to overcome. And look at them now. So there's a path forward somehow. Well, the, uh, uh, hey, speaking of path forward, that is the name of our nonprofit, the Path Forward. Yeah. <laughs> and I've, I've heard about it a few times. Um, uh, who was we talking to that talked about it? And then I talked to someone It was offline and, and they chatted about it. And I think... Uh, I think it's excellent. I looked into you guys then, and I was like, that's a good thing. A little bit of outreach. You guys do. You guys don't just focus on, um, from what I saw, you don't just focus on, like, political messaging, but you focus on building a community as well. Yeah, relationship building. Yes. Because when you have a relationship with someone, and you can understand that they have the same problems you have, and you come together to find solutions for those problems. And yep. that's what we're going to need to do as Utahns, as Americans, uh, if we're going to save our country. Did you find yourself being effective yesterday at the Glenn Beck event? In which area? Yeah, on the on the John Sullivan or I, I, we also handed out flowers for our Woodson event. Well, either or. Um, I think so, because it's triggering people, people's memory. And I always I didn't have a lot of time to talk to everyone, but um but as I did, I said, you know, they bank on us forgetting, and we can't forget. There are certain things that we're going to have to write down and, and, and go back and check and say, did this get resolved yet? Because it's easy for those of us who aren't sitting in those prisons. And I wasn't a big advocate for what happened on January 6th because I knew as soon as I saw it on TV. I was on, Like I said, we had plane tickets bought and everything and almost went. Um, but I thought, you know, there's just nothing good that's going to come of that. And But I had no clue. <laughs> It was going to be that yeah. bad. Um, uh, yeah, so, it's it's yeah. it's an awful thing. January sixth is an awful thing. I, though, in hindsight, looking at what? what happened the two years up to it, it's not surprising. Yeah. I mean, it was provoked, and mm -hmm. what I'm saying, where I see it was bad, is I knew that it was going to kill off our movement. I knew it was going to mm -hmm. kill our message. And, and the thing is, the leaders of our country, and well, I shouldn't say the leaders of our country. The uh, wait, we have we have leaders of our country. <laughs> yeah, the three-letter agencies of our country, the FBI, the CIA, they knew, they understand how group mentality works. Whether it's a, a, a Super Bowl, whether it's a hockey championship, whatever it is, if you get a group of people together that are emotionally tied to something. The chaos can erupt. They and just they just pulled the playbook out. They used against Martin or uh, yeah uh, Martin Luther King Jr. in the '60s. They pulled it out. They blew the dust off of it, and they said, "We can use it here. It's yep. the same playbook." 
you know, just exactly. just fire up COINTELPRO, you know, uh, 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 just go right out of that. And they did the exact same thing. And they're still doing the exact same thing. The Whitmer case in Michigan should be in the spotlight. Yeah. When you have when you have 18 people tried for that and 12 of them are either informants or agents and the only ones that get convicted are two informants that kind of tells you that was a setup for something yeah and to think our fbi wouldn't behave differently on january 6th yeah and the guy who ran the whitmer thing guess where he went right after that yeah he went to the january 6th he went to dc to run that january 6th trial investigation we are being set up our country is being taken over by the bureaucrats so that that's why i put out this push on john Sullivan. again he's a 28 i think 28 year old young man but you know there's a lot of 28 year olds that make mistakes and have to pay a price for it mm -hmm. uh so but let's go back to his original thing that i think he should pay the price for uh is the what happened in Orm yep. in June of 2020. Uh, he didn't watch, a lot of people don't know this, but he didn't watch just Ken Dudley get shot. Before Ken Dudley was shot, another young man and his son had that gun brandished at them. They called 911. John reported that. He didn't tell the, the shooter to put the gun away or to leave the event. Then he watched Ken Dudley get shot. And then after Ken Dudley got shot, another woman drove by in which they broke her window out and again the gun was brandished so three three times and john sullivan videotaped all three and never said that this participant at his rally at his protest should leave his protest oh no so, uh, his uh james you know happens to believe that john put him up to that and i would not put that past him i'm not saying one way or the other but regardless, he was, he has some accountability in that. And now, uh, first it was felony charges. They were dropped to misdemeanors. Now the charges have been dropped altogether. Yeah. And so in addition to asking, is John an FBI asset? And that's where I feel like John became an FBI asset, is that at some point the FBI approached him in order to get those charges dropped, come be an asset uh, for us. Mm. Even the people on the left thought John was an FBI asset. It oh yeah, just, yeah. And, and, and I want to I want to back up one thing on John because the Proud Boys uh, and I'm not a, an Alex uh, Jones fan either, but Alex, one of his uh, people just went was sentenced to prison. That person mm -hmm. never entered the Capitol. I know. Yeah. And uh, so John uh, John encourage people to come out not not in one message not in two not in three like four to five messages encouraged encouraged his antifa friends to come out dressed as trump supporters to cause chaos and mayhem five times so he was just as culpable as the i think um, it's owen it's owen schreier is his name yeah yeah and uh, Though so I am a fan of Alex Jones, I think he's hilarious. Well, I, I have to say he's been right on so many things. I, I should have said I used to not be a fan of Alex Jones. And I'm starting to look at back and go, oh my gosh, he was right about that. The yeah. frogs are gay. <laughs> I just think he, he's just so entertaining when he gets yelling and tears his yeah. shirt off. You just, he can't help but love it. 
But I mainly I've seen him on Joe Rogan. Oh uh, yeah. On the Joe Rogan podcast, he's he's so. good on Joe Rogan when he starts yeah. talking about interdimensional demons. Yeah. But so I'm not I'm not I'm neither a fan or not a fan. But the point being is that the young the person that was arrested and is ser- going to serve prison time did far less than John did. Yeah, he mm-hmm. he never went inside the building. Now now the FBI has its right to utilize people as informants as they see fit. Do they not? They do, but they can't be instigators of the chaos. Yeah, they're not supposed to. It's, you're not supposed to. Entrapment laws fall as entrapment laws do everywhere, mm. no matter the branch or the level of justice. But I don't think that the FBI shouldn't be doing the crap. That they, shouldn't, they shouldn't have done the stuff they did in the 60s, and they shouldn't be doing the crap they're doing now. And I don't know. I don't, I, how do you deal with it? Honestly, I think the FBI should be done away with. They've screwed up too many times. You can't have J. Edna Hoover's name on your building and think you're a just organization anyway. They should be done away with. They, they Just seriously. We have U.S. Marshals. They're functioning organization. And then we have your sheriff's departments and your local PD. You know. Well, you brought up an interesting point there. Because I thought of the, during the summer of love, I thought, why are these Democrat cities allowing their cities to be destroyed by Antifa? And... And the reason they're allowing that is because I think eventually they don't want local law enforcement. They want federal law enforcement throughout our country. Could be, yeah. Well, there's that. There's also pandering to their base. You know, they've got to pander to their base. I think it goes beyond pandering. In in addition to the same people that they didn't hold accountable, now the same people filed lawsuits in these Democratic cities, and they're receiving millions in payouts. I know BLM in in New York got, what was it, Uh, something like $3 million. BLM, yeah. you know, buy large mansions, got three million from New York because they rioted and then they got paid for it. It's insane. It is. We have lost the plot. You know what? I'm going to sit back and enjoy it. I'm popping popcorn. This is a clown show. I'm at the three ring circus. I've got to recognize it for what it is. If you're in the collapse of Rome, enjoy the circus well and I, i'm kind of on the other other side of that i believe that there's power that we have to create miracles and some of those miracles have got to be focused on on stopping what the media tries to do and they they, they were the elite whoever it's not the media the media is just speaking the words that they're paid to speak um on dividing us on race well yeah. hey speaking of the three-letter agencies uh What's that guy's name? The Anderson Cooper? Where we, where did he intern in college? Anyone at home right now? Just look up Anderson Cooper, Wikipedia. Look at where he interned in college. And then tell me Mockingbird isn't real. So I have one more fun fact to, to give y'all because I know you have another incredible guest coming on. Yeah. Um, and uh, she, I know she hasn't quite... Uh, She's entertaining the thought of running for U.S. Senate. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I hope she, I hope she announces and she runs because she's an incredible individual. But I, I want to ask you if y'all know what happened three days before George Floyd. Three days before George Floyd. This is a very important. Yeah, what happened? Lay it on us. That was the day that Joe Biden went on the Breakfast Club with Charlemagne the God. Oh, and he said, "If if you don't vote for me, you ain't black." And I'm going to tell you why that's important. 
is because black people were peacefully protesting on mm. Monday. They were peacefully protesting on Tuesday. They were peacefully protesting on Wednesday. But you know what the black community was talking about? What's Even that? with George Floyd, they were talking about Joe Biden telling blacks that they couldn't think for themselves. First, it started with conservative blacks, but then it got into the entertainment. It got into athletes, and that was still being spoken of. And so what did they have to do? Hillary Clinton, like I said, Hillary Clinton, Loretta Lynch, they all knew that they could call in Antifa. Antifa came in and turned peaceful protest into chaotic riots. Well, I think we should do away with the name Antifa, and we should declare them for what they are, the militant wing of the Democrat Party. And that's it. Or, I don't even know Democratic Party. I almost wonder if our three-letter agencies don't have some control over when they come out. Oh, that's the intelligence wing of the Democrat yeah. Party. Uh, you know, exactly. you know, and then and then you've got Joe Biden, the poop in a diaper wing of the Democrat Party. Uh, the Democrat Party has a lot of wings. Okay, I'll, I'll agree with you on that one. But yeah. but a lot of people don't put that piece of the puzzle together, mm. and it's important that they do because everybody. On when they saw the video of George Floyd, whether you thought the guy was a crook, an evil person or not, most all Americans looked at that video and said that was wrong. Yeah. I, I don't think many Americans disagreed with something need to happen there. So, um, so that yeah. wasn't the issue where the riots started. The riots started because they had to take people's attention off of because the the Democrats can't afford to lose the black vote. A 20% yep. shift, blacks going from a 10% Republican to a 30% Republican, that's 2.8% of the national population. That changes elections that, forever. And that just happened in Louisiana a couple weeks ago. Yeah. So, so that, that, that's why. What yeah. I'm saying, and, and it may be, it may be that they're looking around and going, I know Joe Biden's saying this economy's good, but my cereal box got smaller and it cost twice as much as it used to. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Because that's where we're at. But the economy got good for someone. Waking up, I think they're starting to wake up. They need to. They need to. Now, I, I want you now. Before we started recording, you showed me that you're uh, you've got some barbecue sauce you're selling. You want to? Will you do me a favor and plug that real quick and tell people where they I can will. find I'll, it? I'll start out with this one. I don't know if you can see it, but I'm going to send both of you a set of this. This is my Fire and Fury, the fearless flavor of 2024. Fire and Fury. And now, now, what would you suggest someone would use that for? Would that be best, like if you're making wings or? Or yeah, wings, well, everything, I mean, I, I eat it on everything, but this is like a honey habanero. Ooh. So it's sweet and hot. So that is also good, like, if you're making, like, a uh, an Asian-type dish. Yes. That would make well, it really... It's not, it's not quite Asian. There's no teriyaki, anything like that. Okay, well, I mean, honey habanero. Yeah, that's yeah. a good mix. And another thing I just want to point out, there's it's gluten-free, no MS. G and no high fructose corn syrup. Oh, hold that, back. That's one of the questions we're going to be asking our candidate tonight is where she stands on that part part of the farm bill. Dave is Dave is big on the on the war against uh, corn syrup. Corn syrup. Okay. All right. Fire and fury. What's next? Bold and beautiful. Make meat great again. Make meat great again. <laughs> and you know, when I came up with this title four years ago, I w it was kind of just fun because it kind of patterned the, the Make America Great Again. But never did I think in my wildest dreams that people would seriously be entertaining killing off 
a third of the population of our pork or our, our cattle and thinking oh. that we should go to eat bugs. How crazy I mean, was it, that? It just wasn't in my imagination hmm. when I came up with that. <laughs> How crazy was that during COVID when you saw up in Idaho the, the mass graves of pigs and and them just dumping buckets of milk down a gutter? I was... Oh, I was I was beside myself, and I told my friends, "I'm like, this is going to cause a problem down the road. You wait and see." Well, you look at I, I, I'm sure y'all reported on Sri Lanka two years ago, a year and a half ago. Uh, when they when they went into riots because they went GMO free for the yeah, for, they, or not GMO free thirds of their crop. Yeah, and and yeah, and so what, they didn't use a. Um, Nitrogen yeah, they went. They went out with nitrous, which is what they were trying to do in uh, Holland over the yeah. last couple of years. In Holland, their farmers formed a party and won. Uh, won their, I don't know what you call it over there. Their Holland. The, well, in addition, in Holland, they didn't just want to get rid of non-nitrogen-based uh, fertilizer. They wanted to kill off a third of their population of livestock. Yeah, they wanted farms to be smaller. They wanted farms to only be owned by like 30% of the current farmers. And they wanted to take that land and pull a Lahaina on it, you know, where, oh, this land's now government land and we get a profit off of it. No, I'm telling you, everyone, the plans for the machines are online. You pull a blade up into the air with the rope and you let the blade go and it's a fine carrot cutter anyways yeah. go on you got more right, sauce got one left this is i changed the name on this one but, uh, and now this is, is a rub yeah right wing rub and you Ooh. can't really see the rub i gotta kind of turn around yeah right rubs rub. written behind the potato yeah and for people watching this one's a rub it's a it's a light colored rub so it, that'd be great on with a light color i would think pork or poultry oh it, it's good on everything it's good in eggs it's good on your popcorn put it in the butter of your popcorn it's fantastic oh really oh. ribs i mean yeah. it, it literally it really is good on everything but it's the tagline it's the seasoning that rubs you right ah i like it yeah so i like it nice if you're having your family over at thanksgiving time put a little of this on the turkey uh-huh and you might become a closer knit family. Perfect. Hey, <laughs> can you can you do me a favor real quick? Where do people go to find this if they want to buy it? Trumptater.com. Trumptater.com. All right, yeah. and and yeah, go on there, check out her offerings, um, and then would you be okay if maybe here in a few weeks after it shows up, if we cooked up a batch of wings and did a taste test on air and you joined us oh absolutely i'd love that that'd be great yeah. that'd be great and more than anything in getting this product out i mean i hope i make money to, for all my causes i'm involved in but i want to get that definition out can i can i say the definition of trump tater one more time yes of Do course it. okay a trump tater is someone who outclasses outshines and outperforms defeats someone or something a dependable and exemplary person and uh i just feel like you know all all Americans right now ought to be grateful that we have somebody. He's not perfect. Uh, I don't think we're trying to elect uh, a saint to president, but he's someone that will stand, as he mentioned, stands between us and them. And uh, and we need somebody to do that right now because those people sitting in jails right now for January 6th, the gentleman that just got seven months in prison for a meme. Mm, yeah. Uh, today. Yeah, because uh, he didn't he put up. 
Didn't he put up a thing that's like, if you want to vote for Hillary, call this number? Text your vote to this number. I mean, (laughs) I mean, who wouldn't know that that's sarcasm? I'm okay with it because because if they didn't know, I don't want them deciding my future. I'm just playing it. Yeah. So, I mean, Americans need to wake up. We mm. think that this is somebody else. We think those January 6th people are different than we are. Yeah. Um, again, I don't agree with what they did because it sure set us far back. But at the same time, if we were in that group setting and we had provocateurs that were pushing us and our emotions and pushing us forward, we could have been in that spot. Uh, we could have made a sarcastic remark on our Facebook. Mm-hmm. Account joking around, and we could be facing seven years or seven months in prison. Yeah, um, and so we can't think it's a, you know, it's those crazy Trump supporters out there. Uh, initially, I was not a Trump supporter, and the reason I became one is because Trump became the first Republican that actually reached out and asked for the Black American vote, that put opportunity zones in neighborhoods that needed their neighborhood um, uplifted, mm-hmm. that created that created economy where black Americans were employed at a higher rate. Do you remember um, how he did that? He by, pull- by lowering a lot of the restrictions. He pulled government back. He yeah. pulled, I'm telling you, yeah. government is the anchor that's dragging us to the bottom of the ocean. Well, Trump in 2016, when he was running, he said the way to stop racism is through economics. And, and he Bingo. was right. hundred percent. Helping people achieve the American dream. More yep. blacks were entrepreneurs under Trump. Yep. Uh, and then he passed, which is, I've been a big advocate of prison reform for years. Trump actually made that happen. So I think we need, what, I think he needs to go further. I think we need someone to go further. We need more than prison reform. We need Justice Department reform. We need to have our courts be open and clear. It shouldn't be, you shouldn't be guilty decided by on what lawyer you can afford. You should be guilty on the facts. Guilty or guilt or innocent should be decided on the facts, on the merits. And you shouldn't have a two-tiered justice system in that one type of drugs that poor people use mm-hmm. are punished at a higher rate than a type of drugs that rich people use. We don't need to go into Joe Biden's past bills that he passed in. <laughs> You know, in the 90s. We don't need to talk about that, though. We don't. That, I mean, come on. Joe Biden, he's only been in government for 100,000 years. And every bad law that came down had his signature all over it. But, Jamie, thank you very much. Thank you, Jamie. And, again, that's TrumpTater.com, right? Yeah, and i got to make sure they spell it right because it's not like an OR, like a dictator. It's Trump and then T-A-T-E-R. Trump Tater. Dot com and I'll bet I've got to check my spelling on there too on the board for this but we'll make sure and, and we'll have the link right to her website in the show notes as always you can just go right there plug in there buy your sauce um, and if someone wants to help you and join your organization how do they go about that pathforwardutah.com pathforwardutah.com all right everybody jump on that uh, thanks for and you know thanks for joining us and then up next of course we've got another offering for uh romney senate seat because we're going to be sad to lose him but we'll be back on in about two minutes thanks again jamie thank you y'all have a wonderful day bye